Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. We are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, and we are your one-stop shop for seven days a week MLB content. I am Brandon Karam, alongside a Belly Up Sports Boston Red Sox beat writer, LJ LaFiora. LJ, we just got done watching an incredible Sunday night baseball game, and we're going to talk about that uh, for the third game that we're recapping today. But uh, yeah, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. Really loved watching that game a lot of fun but we're just very glad to have you guys come on into our house of baseball sit down with your morning cup of joe and give us some time to talk some baseball with you let's get going let's get into it uh we're gonna start off with the the double header that was today and that was between the diamondbacks and the braves in the first game, Arizona put up three runs on two home runs in the first three innings, those coming from Stephen Voigt and Cole Calhoun. The story of this game was D-back starter Zach Gallen, who threw seven shutout, one-hit innings, 
remember that the the double headers are seven innings this year, so that is a complete game shutout technically for Zach Gallen. Uh, as the Diamondbacks win five nothing, Zach Gallen picks up his first win of the year. Like I said, seven innings, one hit, no runs, and six Ks. Give the loss to Atlanta starter Bryce Wilson, who's now one and one on the year. He went four innings, allowing four hits, three runs, and striking out four. On to game two. Arizona once again got on the board early thanks to the long ball with first inning home runs coming from Paven Smith and David Peralta. However, the Diamondbacks pitching was somehow able to outperform what they did in game one as Madison Bumgarner pitched a seven inning no hitter in a seven nothing Diamondbacks win. The MLB does not officially recognize this as a no hitter as it was a part of a seven inning game. And the Diamondbacks allow one hit in 14 innings of play today. Uh, incredible performance from their pitching staff. The win goes to Bumgarner, who's now 2-2 two and two on the year. Seven innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. The only base runner was on a throwing error. The loss goes to Drew Smiley, who's now 0-1 on the year. He got rocked around four innings, six hits, five earned runs. With the sweep of the doubleheader, the Diamondbacks are now 11-11, and and they've won seven out of their last 10. The Braves now sit at 9-12. Arizona has today off, and then they host the Padres on Tuesday. Atlanta starts a series with the Cubs. It will be Zach Davies taking on Charlie Morton. LJ. Seven inning no hitter from Madison Bumgarner. Your thoughts? It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen that he is not getting credit for it. Is there a good reason? Because like, it's, they say so. I guess it's because it's considered not a complete full nine no, inning game. That's that's not that's not a reason, especially if you're trying to make this a normal thing of seven innings being the double header. You should give the guy that credit there because Brandon realistically if you got no hits no walks you're gonna throw the rest of the game hypothetically he, he was barred from throwing any more innings yeah it, it's, not, it's not like he could have done anything more to deserve it so I just I don't see the point here I don't I don't like that he didn't get it with how hard he worked he did everything within his ability to throw nine innings and do it. I mean, I guess he could have gone out and stood in front of his own batter and made sure nobody scored runs so he could go nine innings. But other than that, I mean, there's nothing else he could have done. So that's not right. And I think if you're worried about it, breaking the game and making it any less special to have a no-hitter, first off, it's absolutely wild that we've seen this many no-hitters this three, year. yeah. If you count it, this, three already in the first three three weeks, essentially. Yeah, so we're never going to see three in a month again. We usually, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't remember there being more than like three or four in a season. I think there was maybe like one year in there where there was like five or six, but three in a month is th- three. It's not even three in a month. It's three in three weeks. Like. Yeah, so exactly my point. The odd. Odds of getting it, with the exception of this year, the odds of a no-hitter are so low, and then you take that, and then you decrease the amount of games potential. So, like, that's probably not the best wording for it, but, like, what I'm saying is it's very hard to get the no-hitter. Like, the odds are very low, 
And then the odds are even lower that it would be in a seven inning game. So you're not going to see the guy come out with that kind of stuff in seven inning games all the time. And all of a sudden it means nothing to have a no hitter. So this is just seems like a waste. Uh, real quick, you know, the, the diamondbacks, they only allow one hit in that, a double header today. Uh, any thoughts on that? You know, Zach, Zach Gallon, complete game shutout in the first game. If it was going to be any two guys on that team, I would have absolutely picked those two to be the ones to do it. So not really surprising to me. Yeah. All right, let's get into the A's and the Orioles. Brandon has done a few things here. Uh, Baltimore's Hayes went yard to get on Jesus Lazardo early, but then Raymond Laureano's ball said, see you tomorrow, a solo blast, Oakland's only run of the game. Hayes hit Baltimore's second homer against Lazardo in the fourth, a two-run shot, and that's all he would give up. In the eighth, Baltimore tacked on five runs on two hits, winning the game 8-1. to one. Give the win to John Means. He went six and a third of an inning, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Jesus Lazardo, who went six and two thirds of an inning, allowing three earned runs and eight strikeouts. Brandon, did you have to mention how long the longest winning streak was yesterday? Was it yesterday or was that the day before? I hope it was the day prior. I, I, I really don't think it was. Jeez. I just, I cannot believe it. I mean, they, you, you don't, you, we haven't seen this team come out this flat since those first six games. So obviously something had to have happened. Obviously somebody within that Oakland organization was listening to this podcast and things got going around. So absolute shame. Uh, Sean Manaya for the A's will face Tampa Bay's Rich Hill today and the Orioles will face the Yankees at Camden. It'll be Delvi Garcia against Matt Harvey. The Let's Dark. get in to the Padres and the Dodgers. Uh, LJ, once again, the game of the night. I feel like with all – so this was the seventh game of their season series so far. I feel like with all of those games, you could say that it was the game of the day or pretty mm-hmm. much pretty close. Like the only one that could be not considered was – the third game in the first series, that Sunday game, when it was Bauer versus Snell, but that was still very good. But um, let's get right into this one. The Dodgers took a 2-0 lead after the third inning, thanks to RBI singles from Austin Barnes and, and uh, Justin Turner. But then in the top of the fourth, El Nino, Fernando Tatis Jr., hits his seventh home run of the year, fly ball to center field. That made it. Two to one, the Dodgers still in the lead. In the bottom of the sixth, the Dodgers offense exploded, getting a home run from Sheldon Noisy, a sack fly from Justin Turner, and then a three-run home run from Chris Taylor. The Dodgers score five in the bottom of the sixth and make it seven to one. However, the Padres are starting to creep back in it. In the top of the seventh, they get an RBI single from a a Victor Caratini. Top of the eighth, they get an RBI single from Eric Hosmer and then a a force out that scored a run. So this is a seven to five game heading into the ninth inning. In the top of the ninth, the Dodgers bring on Jimmy Nelson to close it out. Uh, LJ, so uh, just quick question here. I was unable to watch like the fifth through seventh innings. 
Did they talk about why a Kenley Jansen was not an option for tonight? Like why he was still in the bullpen? What I was watching, I was watching without the sound off. So I did not hear that. Because I just thought it was strange that they bring in a Jimmy Nelson for the ninth and not a a Kenley Jansen. I guess he did pitch the last two days, I think, but still a bit strange. But in the top of the ninth. And it was a four out save on Saturday, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, Top of the ninth, Trent to Grisham, RBI single to pull the Padres within one. And then a Manny Machado single ties the game at seven. We go to the 10th inning and we saw a bit of wackiness happen. So the the Dodgers are able to get uh, out of an inning with the Padres. Then in the bottom of the 10th, we see at one point Clayton Kershaw comes up to hit with the bases loaded and uh, he got pinch hit for because the Dodgers had no one else left on their bench. He strikes out the next batter, uh, DJ Peters strikes out. The Padres get out of a bases loaded jam and a tie game with only one out. They get out of it. And in the top of the 11th, the Dodgers bring on, uh, presumably what I, I'm pretty sure the only guy left in their bullpen, and that is a Garrett Clevenger, his second major league game. Uh, he allows a leadoff walk, and then uh, it was a sack fly from Eric Hosmer that got the job done. The Padres bring on Mark Melanson in the bottom of the 11th, shuts down the Dodgers, and the Padres come back from down uh, seven to one after the sixth inning, they come back and win eight to seven. LJ, uh, they showed a stat on the broadcast. Uh, teams, I believe, I'm not sure how far this was dating back to, but in MLB games, when teams are down by more than or by six or more in the seventh inning or later, teams were 100 wins and 13,000 losses. It is a point zero seven percent. Uh, chance for that to happen and the Padres are able to get it done tonight uh by far the game of the day uh it did go five hours but you know LJ and I have been talking about these Sunday night baseball games continue to come through uh LJ I'll leave it to you now because I've done more than enough talking again a big takeaway here first off is I don't understand how any how people are still um being the old man screaming at the cloud right now about these extra inning rules, because I think they've provided everything they need to in more, some more, and then some, especially on these Monday night ga- or Sunday night games. I mean, it just having the, having the runners already going, the pressure of that runner was such a big factor in that extra innings made it a lot more exciting. The other thing too is Brandon, you might be able to think of one, Maybe, but I can't remember in over in extra innings this year where it's gone more than thirteen. Yeah, no, not at all. That seems while while I will commit, am willing to commit myself to a seventeen inning game. I have in the past. I don't necessarily need that. Like I could take it or leave seventeen innings. It gets exciting once it gets into that craziness, but. I'd rather be left wanting a little bit more like I was tonight where they go 11 and I'm like, Oh, I could have used 12 or 13 here. But after that, it kind of gets into that weird spot where you're like, all right, this is kind of 
carrying on, especially if there wasn't any offense in that. There was plenty of pressure packed into these two innings. There have been plenty of pressure packed into the 12 and 13 inning games we've seen so far this year. So it certainly does cut down on unnecessary stuff there, and I'm glad to have it. So now through these first seven games, the Padres have won uh, four of them. The Dodgers three. The Padres win three out of four this weekend in L.A. Uh, You can give the win in this one to Tim Hill. He pitched the 10th inning for the Padres. The loss goes to uh, Garrett Clevenger of the Dodgers. Give Mark Melanson the save, his league-leading eighth of the year. Uh, I texted LJ during that last inning when he came in. His pitches are just absolutely filthy. I don't know how how these guys can hit it. He has this 92-mile-an-hour breaking pitch that just drops off the table. I, I, I can't believe that these guys throw so hard and it's still breaking a foot. But Also, yeah, um, shout-out to Tim Hill real quick just for being – the one guy that's absolutely seems he's basically doing the anti-establishment thing for pitchers. If you noticed it, his entire uh, right side of his cap was absolutely white from rosin. (laughs) I found that absolutely hilarious. Of course, you're always used to guys hiding the pine tar on the top, on the brim of their cap. No, instead he's just got a whole bunch of rosin doing the exact opposite on the side of his cap, completely legal. Looks pretty cool, I can't lie. So shout out there. That was a lot of fun to see. Uh, just real quick, then we'll move on to the next game. The two starters in this game were uh, Dustin May for the Dodgers. He went six innings of two-hit, one-run ball, striking out 10. He looked very good. I just cannot believe that the Dodgers blew a, a uh, six-run lead. It, it, it's crazy to see with, with that start that they got from, from Dustin May. It was Joe uh, – Joe, uh, excuse me, Joe Musgrove, uh, he went three innings, allowing three hits and two earned runs for the Padres. Uh, got pulled early. He was at uh, 77 pitches. Uh, I think it was the right move. It certainly paid off for the Padres. So, yeah, uh, great game. Uh, we're not going to see another one of these. Do we know how long it's going to be? Till um, the next- I don't. I can find out. I'd have to assume a while if they've already played twice. Yeah, there would be no, although this year is kind of a funky schedule like that. Because, I mean, think about it. If I'm correct, the Yankees and the Red Sox don't play till the beginning of June or the end of wow. June. That's that. It's just, it's very odd um, scheduling. Hold on, I've got the Dodgers schedule up. So, oh, Padres, Padres, Padres. Nothing in May. A lot of Giants series in May, though. That'll be fun. Yeah, um, those are always good ones. Padres, end of June, June 21st through 23rd. So we have in two San Diego. months. So, yeah, essentially two full months till the next series. So, uh, I don't like yeah, these, these first seven games uh, have been awesome. Uh, if, if these two teams have to face each other in the playoffs, I can't even imagine what the intensity is going to be like, but it'll be awesome. Uh, I'm excited. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Yeah. All right. The Royals and the Tigers. The Royals scattered timely hits today. This, as well as Hunter Dozier's home run and a solid pitching performance, got the Royals a 4-0 win. Give that win to Danny Duffy, five innings of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Tariq Skubal. He went two and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs. This was part of a kind of not necessarily opener, but a joint start uh, agreement within the Tigers between him and um, – I'm blanking on the name. Hold on. It was Michael Fulmer. Michael Fulmer and Tariq Skubal basically split the start. I believe the plan was reasonably for them both to go three innings. So we'll see how this new system works out and how it helps Tariq Skubal in just developing as a major leaguer. But so far today, it it didn't work bad, but it didn't work great either. On to the Nationals and the Mets. The Mets scored two in the first inning on a J.D. Davis home run. They got two more runs in the fourth and fifth, thanks to a James McCann single and then Pete Alonso's fifth home run of the season. The Mets pitching staff was on fire today, allowing no runs and only five hits, and they win 4 nothing. The win to the Mets starter, Taiwan Walker, gets his first win on the year. He's 1-1. One one. Seven innings of three-hit, no-run ball, striking out four. The loss to Patrick Corbin, who has really struggled this year. He's now 0-3. Uh, he goes four innings, allowing seven hits, four runs, and three strikeouts. The Mets take two out of three from Washington, and they're now 9-8. and eight. The Nationals fall to 8-11. and 11. These teams are both off today, and then the Nationals travel to Florida to take on the Blue Jays, and the Mets host the Red Sox uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, I forgot to mention this earlier. The Royals and Tigers play again at Comerica Park today with Brad Keller against Spencer Turnbull. But why don't we uh, segue very nicely from the Mets to those Red Sox, uh, the Mariners may have gotten out to the early first inning one nothing lead, but that didn't stop the Red Sox from giving one of the show favorites, Nicky M, more than he could handle. He allowed four first inning runs, including three of which that were walked in, two by him and one by a hit-by-pitch by Steckenrider. Brandon, no bueno. No bueno for Nicky M. You hate to see it. It's he our guy. 
you, you can't just, I mean, I'm, I'm glad for the win, but if anyone else disrespects Nikki M, that's just, that's unacceptable. I'm going to look up how to pronounce his name right now while you finish this. And then we'll, I'm going to give it a shot. Brandon, that's that. That's gonna. That's not gonna change me calling him Nikki M. Oh no, no, absolutely not. He's, I just want to see if we can get close. He has achieved cult status within my mind, and will never be given taken away. Give that uh, Xander Bogarts drove in another run on a double, and the Red Sox held on to win five to three. Give that win to Eduardo Rodriguez, his fourth of the year in four starts. He went seven innings, allowing three earned runs and eight strikeouts. The loss will, of course, be given to Nikki M., who went a third of an inning, allowing four earned runs, one strikeout, and four walks. Not ideal. Uh, the save will be given to Matt Barnes, his fourth. But, Brandon, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but Eduardo Rodriguez is back to being everything that he was Um in 2019 before all of the stuff with COVID and everything, this is exactly what you see. You see a guy that executes. It's not always going to be the flashiest thing. He's not going to be looked at as this most, this ultimate dominant pitcher, but he gets the job done time in and time out. That's how he racks up wins. That's, that's why he's at the aces. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm happy to have him to, to see him come back. He's certainly a fun guy to watch pitch. Uh, look, I don't really care how the, the Red Sox do as long as they aren't playing via Yankees and they aren't going on crazy win streaks. Like, it, it, it actually doesn't bother me to see guys do good. Like, if we can sort of, like, make this false sense of hope at some point in this year where LJ, by, like, August, you're like, oh, we're still in the thick of it. We can still get a wild card spot. Like, I don't know. It would just be, it's not funny. And no, it, it is pretty funny for something like that to happen. Even though now that I'm saying this, somehow the, the Yankees are going to completely miss out on the playoffs. So, uh, well, I, 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 I probably shouldn't say too much. I just do want to, I do want to argue this though. Now you're going to have to say too much because why is it necessarily a false sense of hope for them to be a playoff contender or wildcard contender? I mean, I feel like that there's, four teams in the AL East that could I could easily see being in the wild card spot. Yeah, so it's not that unreasonable to see it, is it? No, is but it- Bloom chose to go and sign a Garrett, a Garrett a Richards instead of getting an actual starting pitcher. Yes, I, I, don't, I don't disagree that everything other than the obvious moves this offseason were – absolute failures so far and really need to get proving themselves past the couple of redeeming parts of them. But other than that, I think this, this team is very well put together. I don't think they're not going to be losing a ton of game. This is, this is clearly everything about this takes all this start of the season takes all of the doubts out of my head about them being in a below 500 team. This is certainly an above 500 team, whether it makes the playoffs or not. Brandon, this is a very different sense than you you have here because as much as I would love to see them be there, it would be so much fun. With how things went last year, you have to take, thing, take all of these things with the national, natural progression of sports. In most cases, you're not going to go from worst to first. So... I just want to see meaningful games in August. That's my 
that's my goal here. I want to have them in that competition, sweating it out until at least the end of August. That'll make me happy. The Yankees have put themselves in a position where they're now sweating, making the playoffs in a year where they were championship or bust. So we aren't sweating. It, it, it's, sweating. It's, very, it's very early to sweat. Is it, oh, so you're saying it's very early for you to be sweating. As I see no. the perspiration drip down your neck. I mean, I'm just saying you wouldn't deny the fact that you're sweating so quickly if you weren't sweating. No, I mean, you're certain, let me get into the Yankees questions. recap. Let me get into the Yankees recap and then we'll see if I'm sweating. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we just got to see. All right, look. Did I ever say that the Mariners are playing the Astros and it's going to be uh, Justice Sheffield, the most recent prize? prize possession of the Yankees farm system of pitchers against Quiddy of the Houston Astros. No, Sheffield's not terrible, but that was a bad trade for us. Sheffield for Paxton. Yikes. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think either person really won that. I mean, you're either going to get a four five ERA from Paxton or you're going to get a four five ERA from Sheffield. Just yeah, but they had them both on, the, on, on their roster this year. Seattle got Paxton back for nothing. They just had to pay him. Like they didn't have to trade for him. It's just, it's just bad. It's like when the Yankees traded away Chapman to the Cubs, and then we just signed him back in free agency. Like, <laughs> but yeah, LJ on uh, Nick Margovicious, Margovicious, Nicky M. Nicky M. Will not be pitching tomorrow. No, sadly. He only threw a third of an inning, though. Like, he might still have some. <laughs> <in the day. laughs> just, just bring him out in two days on, on one day's or two days rest. Two the nights ultimate rest. pitching staff, the ace, Jake Odorizzi, second, Nicky M. Let's get into Yankees recap. Indians and Yankees, game four, the series finale. The Yankees got on the board with three runs in the top of the fourth. On Gio Rochella and Mike Ford home runs. But the Indians responded with four runs in the bottom of the fourth on an Eddie Rosario single and then a Fran Mil Reyes three-run home run. They would take a four to three lead into the fifth. In the fifth and sixth innings, the Indians piled on three more runs and would win seven to three. Give the win to Sam Hentges out of the Cleveland bullpen. He goes one and two-thirds of an inning, gets his first win on the year. The loss to Yankee starter Jamison Tyone, 0-2 on the year. Uh, four innings, five hits, four runs, and six strikeouts. The Yankees uh, are 0-6 when we use Nick Nelson out of the bullpen. He is terrible. Eight and a third innings, 1.92 whip, 9.72 ERA. The fact that we brought – so we knew that he was either going to be Nick Nelson or Luis Sessa today. Why we brought Nick Nelson in in a one-run game, first out of the bullpen, who is the worst pitcher than Luis Sessa? It just boggles me. Like, why do you say Sessa for the end? Just this entire bullpen management is just baffling. Like, I, I don't get it, but yet – Nick Nick Nelson for Josh Taylor, who says no. I mean, like, I would love to see a new arm in there. That's just, like, I guess I didn't even realize that we were 0-6 when, when Nick Nelson pitches. Not only did he allow the game, like, 
or the the go ahead hit in extra innings on opening day. Today he comes in and gives up a run for Chapman and then or for uh, for Tyone and then also just gets shelled four hits. Like, come on, dude. But the Yankees or the Indians are now nine nine and eleven with the win. But the Yankees fall to nine and twelve, and they take three out of four in this series. So uh, I'm actually pretty happy with the way our offense was playing last week. With that rant that I went on last Sunday night, um, I feel a lot better about the team after this week. This was a good week for us, uh, splitting with the Braves, and then this four game series. Uh, look, we'll take it three out of four in Cleveland, and we beat Shane Bieber. So like. That's that proves to me that the offense can come through in a big moment when we need to. Uh, the, the Indians host the Twins today. It will be Zach Plezak and Jose Barrios. As LJ mentioned, the Yankees travel to Baltimore to take on the O's. They will be recalling a Davey Garcia and uh, yeah, taking on Matt Harvey. The Yankees lose. <laughs> Brandon. I, 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 maybe you shouldn't be sweating. I mean, it's kind of chilly out, but perspiration has to be getting ready, right? Because whether you're in a hot week or not, the holes that have been shown and proven already are still there. You can't tell me they're not. I mean, look, here's the thing. You can't get mad about Judge for his play so far. Not at all. Uh, Stan started to pick it up this week after the terrible start. Stan's starting to get hot. Rugnet Odor was consistently one of the streakiest players in the league. He's starting to get hot this week. It's not like that. I understand that there's issues still there, but a lot of the offensive issues, like I heard when when a Gr- Graham Wallace was talking about how he thought that Luke Voigt was the Yankees' best hitter. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't agree with that. I will say that Luke Voigt is one of the most important hitters on our team because at when once we get him back, the amount of lineup protection that you can put for Judge and Stanton is huge. Because if you're hitting, if if, if the Yankees lineup turns out to be, uh. DJ one, Judge two, whether it's Hicks three or Voight three. So I would do DJ Judge, Voight three, Stanton four. You're not going to want to walk Judge to get to Voight. And then at the same point, you're not going to walk Voight to get to Stanton. So you just add so much lineup protection there that when he comes back, the offense, I think, is just going to be so much better than it is. Like, And it makes sense. You know, the guy who led the league in home runs last year, of course he's going to make your offense better. Starting pitching, though, LJ, you're right. It's it, it's a it's a really bad issue for us right now. The Yankees need to prove that they can win when it's not a Garrett Cole on the mound. I mean, we barely scraped by the other night against Shane, Shane Bieber. Like, a 2-1 game. Thank God Garrett Cole has been close to the best pitcher in the American League this year, if not the best, because he single-handedly won us quite a few games, and so is the bullpen. I mean... The reason why the Yankees couldn't use any of their top arms out of the bullpen today is because they basically used them this whole week. Starters are not going deep enough for us to be able to, like, for for the fans to feel confident. So starting pitching needs to step it up or 
uh, I will start to sweat a little more, but it's still very early. There's still a lot more times through the starting rotation before I'm sweating, sweating. Yeah, and again, don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm saying that the Red Sox are a flawless team. They have plenty of flaws. However, the Red Sox don't have the – the Red Sox don't have the same functional deficiencies that this Yankees lineup could have. Brandon, I I fully see – I fully fear – the same things that you're showing here with how great that lineup at the top can be. But if you look top down in that lineup with just how a streaky it is and B generally how streaky power hitting is in general, are you telling me you'd ever feel comfortable going up against some of the arms, even especially some of the arms we saw tonight? I mean, the Braves are a different story because all of the things that we thought they plugged have not really panned out. That pitching has not been what we thought it was going to be so far this year. But you can't tell me that you would feel any form of comfortable going up against a Dodgers, a Pirate, or not Pirates, a, a Pirates. Man, those Pirates are absolutely filthy. Um, Is that cool? Pod, A.T. Brubaker? Let's, uh, let's take them on. Uh, pa, a uh, Padres. There's a lot of really good pitching staffs right now, top to bottom, especially in that bullpen, that I can't feel comfortable if I was a Yankees fan. I'm not sure I would feel comfortable seeing this lineup, which really excels in a couple of things, go up against any of them in year four of competition. Like, the window is kind of now or never, and I'm not sure I'm I'm in love with the way this roster is built out. Is all, and I don't think I'm, I'm not in love with it either. But when you are the the Yankees, you can kind of get away with a few years with without a perfectly built roster because you know you have the financial backing. You're gonna we're gonna be either over the tax or as close to the tax as we can get every year. It's just frustrating. We can't get a, a good pitcher through our system. Yeah, but where does I guess my question is where does the reformation take place without a significant like jarring move? Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Like, if you're looking at this, see how this year plays out. Like this year is because we don't even know what's going to happen in the off season. There's so much uncertainty heading into next year that 
it's it's essentially championship or bust because you like just look like five more years of Aaron Hicks, seven more years of Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton. Those three are gonna be on the team. Like we're not gonna cut Aaron Hicks at any point. Like if he's on a guaranteed contract for the next five years, it's gonna be hard to move it. I don't know who wants Aaron Hicks. It's just I don't know. We're in a tough spot yeah. right now. But yeah, I'm I just not think- nervous. I'm I'm not nervous yet. It's still early. Power hitting is a thing that needs to be evaluated over a large sample size. Won a hundred games in 2018 and 2019 with essentially the same offensive approach, same hitting coach. So it's not the, I mean, we just seen the offense struggle early. Once the sum, you know, once it starts to get hotter outside, the bats get hot. I don't know how true that statement is, but sounds we need like- to bring a We need to bring a scientist on, scientist on it to explain, explain that. All right, Blue Jays and Rays. The Blue Jays held on to win a tight game, which saw their ace, Hinjin Ryu, leave early with a strain. A Santiago Espinal RBI single was the difference in the game. Toronto wins one to nothing. Give the win to Tim Meza. The loss to Josh Fleming, who went four and third of an inning, allowing one earned run. And that save will be given to Rafael Dolis, his second of the year. Brandon, could things go worse for this Toronto pitching staff? Uh, I think you mean Tampa Bay. Or talking about Toronto? No, I'm talking about Toronto. Oh, because uh, he the injuries have been absolutely brutal. Yeah, they lost Robbie Ray at the start of the year because he fell down the stairs while holding his child. Like, you can't make that up. They lost now with Hyunjin Ryu out. It's tough, but... They he leaves early and they still don't allow any runs. So impressive what the the bullpen has done so far. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty rough for Toronto right now. Hopefully, it's not an IL stint for Ryu. Mm-hmm. On to the Reds and the Cardinals. Tyler O'Neill hit two home runs in the first five innings to push the Cardinals out to a four zero lead. The big red contraption, the Cincinnati Reds, would get two runs back on a Jesse Winker home run in the seventh and a Tyler Naquin single in the eighth. But it's not enough as a Paul Goldschmidt single puts the game away for the Cardinals and they win five to two. Give the win to Jack Flaherty. Uh, he is now tied for the league lead with four wins. He's four and oh, seven innings, three hits, one run and six Ks for him. The loss goes to Luis Castillo. Uh, he struggled this year to start as well. One and two on the year. He goes five innings, allowing six hits, four runs, and three Ks. The save to Alex Reyes out of the Cardinals bullpen. His fifth on the year. He's now gone nine and a third innings without allowing an earned run. The Cardinals complete the three-game sweep and are now 11 and 10. The Reds fall to nine and 12 and have lost seven games in a row. The Cardinals host the Phillies today, Zach Wheeler versus Adam Wainwright. The Reds travel to L.A. to play the Dodgers. Tyler Molly takes on Julio Urias. Over in the Angels and Astros, the Angels got out to an early 2-0 lead thanks to an infield single by David Fletcher, which held until a Yuli Gurriel two-run dinger in the seventh. The game was then decided in the eighth by the bat of Shohei Otani, 
He showed the Astros the money with a tie-breaking homer. The Angels win 4-2. Give the win to Chris Rodriguez, the loss to Luis Garcia, and the save to Rafael Iglesias, his third. Brandon, I didn't get a chance to actually do any digging into this, but this really feels like one of the few good moments for Rafael Iglesias so far this season. Yeah, uh, the only thing I can recollect from his season so far was Sunday night baseball when he threw the ball over the third baseman's head and tried to get that force out and then ends up going to extra innings and a Jared Walsh bails him out. But yeah, uh, he's had a rough season so far. Uh, but One and two so far. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to look at re- reliever ERA so early in the year because one bad outing out of five could just inflate that a lot. Uh, but, yeah, Angels win without Mike Trout, uh, not on the IL or anything. I believe he just had today off, but uh, he's expected to be back tomorrow – or today, excuse me, on Monday. On to the Brewers and the Cubs. A Travis Shaw walk gave the, the Brewers a 1-0 lead in the first inning. The score would remain the same all the way until the ninth inning. In the top of the ninth, the, the Brewers got RBI hits from Luis Urias and Colton Wong, and they also got runs from a hit-by-pitch and a walk. They would score five in the inning and take a 6-0 win. Give the win to Brandon Woodruff, 2-0 on the year, six innings, two hits, no runs, and eight Ks. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Corbin Burns quite a bit, but uh, but Brandon Woodruff, who was my pick for the NL Cy Young, uh, now with this game, he's lowered his season ERA to 1.55, uh, over 29 innings and five starts, also has a .72 whip. He's having a very good year. Uh the loss to Jake Arietta, who's now three and two, six innings, two hits, one run, and eight Ks. The the Brewers take two out of three from the Cubs and are now 13 and eight. They've won seven of their last 10. The Cubs are now 10 and 11. The Cubs face the Braves today. Uh, I already talked about that pitching matchup. And the Brewers host the Marlins with Trevor Rogers and a red hot Corbin Burns facing off. Burns is at 40 strikeouts and counting without issuing his first walk which is an all-time record for a starting pitcher. Now he's chasing a Dodgers closer, Kenley Jansen, who struck out 51 batters prior to walking one in 2017. Wow. I feel like these uh, brewers are the living embodiment of the and I took that personally meme. <laughs> like everyone kind of just said, okay, the brewers haven't really – done anything to their roster they don't have anything that makes them special other than if Yelich brings them back because we've always kind of left the those Brewers starters to the side and just focused on Hader and Yelich and Knievel and guys like that so I'm glad to see them kind of stepping out yeah the 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 Brewers uh have the fourth worst batting average in the league as a team really nine and they've won seven of their last 10. Like, the pitching will take you so much further than hitting will. Because hmm. if you can't get guys out, you're, you're not going to win. It's that simple. No, it's, it's impossible long-term to outscore teams. Without good pitching, yeah. No, like, just, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, to just outscore guys. Like, if you're, if you're needing to score 10, run, 10 runs, 
in half your games to win, then you're not getting anywhere. That would be, that's an overreaction, but like you see what I mean. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. The Pirates and the Twins, a 419 foot dinger for Gregory Polanco, capped off a six run day for the Pirates. They win six to two. Give that win to Clay Holmes. The loss to Matt Schumacher. We already talked about the Twins, but the Pirates. The Pirates will be playing on a Tuesday. Okay. Uh, I believe you also have you're you're going to be talking about a guy on the Twins a bit later, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Phillies and the Rockies, two Bryce Harper home runs, number five and number six on the year, gave the Phillies a two-zero lead after three innings. But then the Rockies' offense came alive, scoring 10 runs across the 4th, 5th, and 6th innings, with 7 runs coming in the 4th. RBI hits from John Gray, which uh, he would, was the Colorado starting pitcher, so uh, pitchers who rake. Rymel Tapia had also had an RBI hit, and then a grand slam from Trevor Story did most of the damage for Colorado. C.J. Crone would go deep in the 8th to extend the lead, and the Rockies win 12 to 2. The win to John Gray, six innings, four hits, uh, two runs, which was both on the heart, uh, which was on both Harper solo home runs. He strikes out six. He's now three and one on the year. The loss to Chase Anderson is 0 and 3, three and two thirds, six hits, six runs. Colorado takes two out of three from the Phillies and is now eight and 13. Philadelphia now sits at 10 and 11. The Rockies travel to San Francisco for a series today. Austin Gomber versus Anthony DeSclafani. The Phillies take on the Cardinals, and I already talked about that pitching matchup. Right. The Rangers and the White Sox. Jose Abreu featured an eight-run day for Chicago with a home run and three RBIs. The White Sox win 8-4. to four. Give that win to Michael Kopech, who is now 2-0. He went five innings, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts. The loss will be Kohei Arihara's. He's now 2-2. Two and two. He went two innings, allowing five earned runs. Brandon, this White Sox team will face the Tigers on Tuesday. And as for Texas, they will take on Shohei's Angels today. All right, last game, the Marlins and the Giants. The Giants scored three runs in the second inning on a Mauricio Dubon single and then starting pitcher Logan Webb with a two-RBI triple. The Giants would get another run in the fifth on a Brandon Belt sack fly to make it 4-0 San Francisco after five innings. Jesus Aguilar would homer to make it 4-2 in the eighth, and then Lewis Brinson singled to pull Miami within one, but it wasn't enough, and the Giants win 4-3. The win to Logan Webb, who's now 1-1 one one on the year, seven innings, three hits of shutout ball, eight Ks, and then also that two RBI triple. The loss to Paul Campbell, 0-1 on the year. He goes three innings, allowing four hits, three earned, and five Ks. Uh, the, the Marlins did sort of an opener, so Paul Campbell was that uh, second guy to come out, uh, or second guy to pitch. The save to Tyler Rogers of the Giants, his second on the year, and he has pitched in a, in a major league leading 14 games so far this year. Hmm. 
The Giants take three out of four from Miami and are now 14-8. and eight. The Marlins fall to 9-12. and 12. San Francisco hosts Colorado today, and Miami travels to Milwaukee, and I did those matchups already. But, uh, LJ, we have an exciting PPP for today. And um, yeah, I'll start it off. A lot of content. Yeah, I'll start it off, and then, um, yeah, we'll go from there. So, uh, LJ put the quote in here, El, El Nino giveth, El Nino taketh away. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, hit another home run tonight. So that's now five home runs in this in that three-game series that the Dodgers and Padres had. Uh, he became the first visiting player ever with five home runs in a three-game span at a Dodger stadium. Uh, also, he has made nine errors. The Atlanta Braves and San Francisco Giants have both made seven as an entire team. He's the first player since 1983 with nine errors in the first 15 games of the season. Uh, LJ, this quote is absolutely perfect because what he's, he's giving to you offensively, he's not entirely taking it away with his defense, but it's, he's certainly not playing good defense if you already have nine errors. Yeah, no. Also, if you want to know where to attribute that quote to, that can be quoted as LJ LaFura. Um yeah, no, this is just a wild amount of errors to be made. Like, I would have thought that he would have kind of given himself some ground by now and be, like, settled in after just pressing to start the season, getting in your head, then over-focusing on your defense and overthinking it. But this is – the fact that it's still continuing and we're talking about this three weeks later is absolutely wild to me. The other one I was thing I was interested to look at is Scott Fletcher was the guy in 1983. I'm not familiar with him. I might don't be mad if I should be. No, I shouldn't. Okay, yeah. So he ended up going on to have a very nice career with a number of teams throughout the 80s and early 90s. So he certain they certainly stuck with him. It's a no-brainer to stick with Tatis. And it was in very similar situations, actually, when you look at it. He came up with the Cubs at first, played 19 games his age 22 season in 1981, 11 in in 1982, then then moves over to the White Sox, where he really gets going, plays 114 games for them, and that's where he had all of the issues in 1983. So the defense is – partially a matter of sample size don't you think yeah you know it's it's that but also i mean he's a shortstop you you are going to get a lot of hard hit balls to you uh not to mention he was coming off an injury uh i think it was the friars on the farm guys that were saying he was just taking it too hard you know he was going too hard in the field he's still probably I mean, it was a hip injury, so who knows how fast that that can actually like heal. Like, I'm sure it can heal to a point where you're comfortable playing, but I'm sure that he's not at entirely 100%. I mean, if he is, it's still incredible what he's doing. Five home runs in a three-game span, two off mm-hmm. of Kershaw, two, out, two off of Trevor Bauer, one off of Dustin May. He just completely did the rounds with, that, with that, the, the Dodgers pitching staff this weekend uh 
Yeah, LJ, it's it's a similar situation to that Scott Fletcher guy, other than Scott Fletcher didn't sign a $340 million contract. True, true. <laughs> All right, our next guy we got to talk about here, Danny the Dude Duffy with another fantastic start, another shutout over five innings going into this game. He was looking at a .50 ERA on the season in his starts so far. He's only given up one earned run all season. Should we be overly shocked by this? Always been a great pitcher. I mean, he's been good for quite a few years. Like, these last few years, he, especially, like, the ERA numbers, he hasn't been where, like, you would expect him to be, but really doesn't walk a lot of guys anymore. Uh, 2019, he did a really good job of not walking batters. Uh, look, Kansas City's hot. Like, they, they're they really fun team to watch. Uh, Danny Duffy, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, those three pitchers have really been carrying them this year. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always been a pretty big a Danny Duffy guy. Uh, it, it's really nice to see him having sort of a, a breakout year to, to start 2021. Yeah, I think it's also incredibly interesting to see when you look at it, he's you're, – you're talking about – when you talk about him, you see very similar numbers right now to what he was doing early on in his career, 2012, 13, 14 – might not have necessarily been playing on a huge crucial role. One of those seasons, I'm pretty sure he didn't play a ton. But all of those per nine stats are looking incredibly similar right now. So maybe he just – I would like to think he really turned a corner in his back to being a more than just average MLB starter. Now it is time for the Nelson Cruz home run watch presented by LJ. Nelson Cruz hit a solo shot today, his seventh of the season, puts him up to 424 for his career. Of course, we are all watching patiently so we can celebrate when he makes it to that 500 home run mark. This has been one hell of a uh, end to a career or back half of a career for Nelson Cruz. And realistically, over the past six years, there has he hasn't been able to do any wrong at the plate. He's been absolutely mashing the ball. It's probably longer than that, realistically. Yeah, it's, yeah, actually, 2014. So since then, he really hasn't been able to do any wrong at the plate, and I want to see him get there as much as anybody else. It, it would be so awesome to see him get there. Uh, it sucks that he's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer because he did get caught taking PEDs and had to serve a suspension. For that, but kind of similar to Adrian Beltre in a way, where just the second half of their career. I mean, I guess another really good guy is Raul Abanez. Uh, if you look at his, he has a great baseball reference page where he hit like out of the 400 or whatever home runs he hit, probably 90% of them were after the age of 30. So, I mean, it's it's cool to see a guy like this, like like Nelson Cruz, be 41 and absolutely great every day yeah this has really been such a turn and it's a lesson again of don't give up if you're a uh 
Well, a lot of these guys actually might not get the chance now that I think about it. With them shortening the amount of minor league teams, there are the amount of rounds in the draft as well to go with that and everything. If you're a guy that's going to be reasonably starting to peak late, bloom late, maybe you're going to be bouncing around in the back and forth from the minors like he did up until you're 28, there's not going to be as many opportunities for those guys. He is certainly a great story for that, a great example of that, but you're not going to see that nearly as much as you could have in the past. So it's kind of unfortunate for them, but he's certainly a guy to aspire to. Uh, LJ, you have a couple of more. Uh, I'll say this first guy stat line, and I'll let you take it away. Michael Kopech, a guy who LJ and I were both pretty high on. Uh, Remember, he was – one of the top prospects that was in that Chris Sale trade, I think the top prospect in that deal was Yoan Mankata. Uh, but he yeah. was Kopech was the center of it the entire time, though. Mm, okay. Um, because I remember that Mankata was a very highly regarded hitting prospect as well. Yes, he was, but oh, there was a lot of put of perspective. I mean, realistically, the way a lot of people I think saw it was there was a chance that we might have been giving up a Chris Sale to get to get Chris Sale. Like, there's, of course, no guarantees with that type, that caliber of player. I'm not about to walk in and say, this guy is going to be a, if he stays healthy, a Hall of Fame caliber talent in the league. But he certainly could have been. He had all of the stuff to do it. Of course, he ends up having all the arm issues, hasn't pitched in two years. So we had no clue what we were going to get from him. And the story kind of ran dry in a similar way uh, to Chris Paddock, who who unfortunately hasn't nearly developed to the same point that we thought. But I think we need to take some more time to really think about that line um, learned run, it is what it is, but the five innings, 10 strikeouts. You hear about 10 strikeout games a lot with the really top end pitchers. So when people go crazy about this, it's like, oh, great. He could end up, if he keeps that stuff up, he's going to be a top two, top three guy in rotations for many years to come. But you think, then you also have to think about the fact, Brandon, in most instances, when a guy is striking out 10 batters, they're going at least six, seven innings with five innings of work. That means you're striking out about two thirds of your batters faced two thirds of the outs came by way of strikeout today for Kopech. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Not only is his line on paper good, but his stat cast stats this year, his expected stats are nuts. LJ, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at it, I have not. Top 2% in expected ERA, top 3% in K percentage, top 2% in expected WOBA, top 1% in expected slugging, top 7% in whiff percentage. I mean, all the big ones, he is just – how is he only 24? Like, it seems like he's been such a highly touted guy for so long, and he just has – that fastball oh my god just he's he's nuts he's nuts again i'm glad i'm really excited and glad for the fact that we get the craziness that is tony la russa because with the way that they kind of went into the season 
even into spring training with the mindset of we're going to bring him back into being a starter slowly. Bringing him in slowly has quickly turned into, okay, you're going right into the thick of it. I mean, they brought him in against Boston. He was only realistically meant to go three innings. He went out and pitched a fourth. Now he's going five. He's getting stretched out very quickly here because he's proving he can handle it. So we're getting to see the best product rather than teams being overly cautious. Which is awesome. I mean, yeah, it's great for the game. All right, LJ, I think you had two more. Oh yeah. Mookie Betts had the at bat of the year today. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, but ninth inning him and Emilio Pagan went through a very long bout of great plate discipline great ability to foul off pitches and unfortunately ultimately went to Emilio Pagan. But Brandon, can you remember an instance where you see one of those long at bats where the guys, the two guys are just going at it in the late innings? I can't think of one that was that good, that hotly contested and that well played by either side in a ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, what a game! I mean, it it just shows what a great game that was tonight. For there to be that high leverage of a situation, and then for there to be that at bat, I'm trying to find how many pitches that at bat was because it was it was a lot. Like it was so back and forth. So that was the ninth. Let's and, then, and then of course that at bat didn't end up going Mookie's way entirely on a blown call by the ump. Yeah. That was low, middle, like there was no part of the strike zone that it could have sniffed that he got called out on strikes. It was a great take by him. So, I mean, really, really, I feel he won it. But, of course, the stuff will go to um, – it'll go to Pagan. The strikeout goes to Pagan. The extension of the game – goes to Emilio Pagan and the Padres. Uh, here's the, the at-bat breakdown. So, yeah. wow. So, it's a seven-pitch at-bat. First four pitches are, are all uh, fouled off. Three fastballs to start him off all around 94, and then he threw him a cutter for the fourth pitch, 84 miles an hour. Fifth pitch is a ball, cutter at 85. Sixth pitch is a ball, a fastball at 95. And then the seventh pitch was a called third strike. LJ, he threw him five four-seam fastballs. And at least one fan. Five four-seam fastballs to one of the best fastball hitters in the league. That's, that's he, I mean, that's a ballsy move by Pagan, especially in that situation. It's the bottom of the ninth. You're facing the second or third best hitter in the league, you throw him five out of seven fastballs and you strike him out. Uh, you don't want to be a chance. I mean, and it was a couple of those where it was like, you start to honestly get a little surprised at that fastball. Don't you think? Mm. Cause I mean, there was a couple in the middle of there, as I just said, it was a great at bat where I kept thinking, Oh, he really could have gotten that to the opposite field. And of course, with a runner on first, then you've got runners on the corners. That's a that's a big time ball game move. But I mean, I can't I absolutely could not. The more you look at it, the more you think it about it. 
I cannot complain with everything Mookie did. He did everything right. He did everything he should have in that spot. And it was just a very creative time by Emilio Pagan. And then our last one here for the night is pitchers who rake. Get another update of this. Logan Webb with the three-bagger today. Brandon, what were your initial thoughts of this? So I still haven't seen a video of this yet. Okay, let me try to see if I can find it, and I will um, send that to you to watch at another time. But basically what happened is, so he hits it into the right center gap, and it's kind of rolling through there. First off, you have to think about just the way that pitchers carry themselves at the plate is absolutely hilarious. Because even though they know they're going to be hitting, it never really suits them the way things go. They look so stupid with the bat. It's like they don't know where to put it. Also, Logan Webb, I swear, when you see it, if anyone's seen it, his helmet looks about two sizes too big. It's like rattling around on his head. So now you got this guy who's just put a very well-placed ball into right center and he's running as hard as he can. And then he gets to second and it's almost like he can't believe he's running for the triple because he keeps looking back to see where the ball is and whether he should actually be going. It was just, it was very fun to watch. Yeah. I was trying to think the last time that we saw a triple from a pitcher. And the only thing I can think of was, Archie Bradley in the 2017 wild card game comes in as a relief pitcher and then is has to hit for himself. The, the, the Diamondbacks don't want to pull him. And he hits a triple into the gap. Like it, it at Chase Field. So yes, it is a big outfield there, but yeah. A triple for a pitcher is very impressive, especially, I mean, like at San Francisco, because they do have that triangle out and right center field like if you can get it out there it's pretty much a triple but for a pitcher to do that is very impressive uh that's awesome for for a logan webb and i'll be sure to watch the video uh right when we get done doing this certainly surprised him all right uh we got the leaderboards as always and then uh we'll get out of here so just a short one tonight we're gonna do uh start off war for hitters mike trout uh, with 1.6 behind him, we have a two-way tie for second between Ronald Acuna Jr. and J.D. Martinez, both at 1.5. For war for pitchers, uh, it is still Garrett Cole in first with 1.9, Jacob DeGrom in second with 1.8, Corbin Burns with 1.4, but he does pitch today, so he could potentially leapfrog both Cole and Jacob DeGrom or neither. Uh dependent on his performance today. For relief pitchers, we have a two-way tie for first between Mark Melanson, who got his league-leading eighth save tonight, and uh, James Karinchak of the Cleveland Indians, who pitched a clean inning today uh, against the Yankees. Like I mentioned yesterday, I got to watch Emmanuel Classe pitch. Uh, James Karinchak, one of my favorite players, was was one of my picks from the Favorite Players podcast. He's awesome. Comes in today and looks dominant against the Yankees. So, uh, yeah, he's having a good year, obviously, if he's top of the league in war for relief pitchers. Uh, And then as for home runs, we now have an eight-way tie for first place with seven home runs. Those players are in alphabetical order. Ronald Acuna Jr., 
Nick Castellanos, Nelson Cruz, Eduardo Escobar, J.D. Martinez, Ryan McMahon, Shohei Otani, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, that's actually eight names. Oh, I did say eight tied with seven. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, those eight are tied with seven home runs. Uh, and then second place is still very close. Uh, the home run leaderboard is very, very tightly packed. As we now have a 10-way tie with six and then eight-way tie for first with seven. So uh, very close. But, uh, yeah, LJ, any final thoughts, any thoughts on the leaderboards, anything else you want to talk about tonight? Or Yeah, we- we're going to see the very similar looks to this leaderboard for most of the season. Of course, somebody will eventually pull themselves ahead, even if by a little bit. But the mean is going to be – much closer to the high end than it's going to be towards the middle. If you had to guess uh, the amount of home runs that the person has who leads the league, what would you say? 49. I I was thinking high 40s also. I don't think we're going to see someone hit a a 50 this year because the pitching is really good good. wide. Yeah, so yeah, I'd say – 49 or 50. I think it's, yeah, it's going to be 49, but there's going to be a lot of guys over 40. Oh, yeah. I think we could see potentially 15 guys over 40. That would not surprise me, honestly. Well, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you guys for, for listening. We've been doing awesome with our, our, uh, numbers. You guys have been, uh, just uh, killing it lately. Can't thank anyone else but you guys for listening. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. And then, uh, of course, a Belly Up Sports. Check them out. Uh, great content every day at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. LJ is on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. And I am on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam. That's going to do it. Uh, have a good one, everyone. And, uh, yeah, start your week off right with a great Monday. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.